my pleasure to be joined by a local illustrator, a tremendous local illustrator, Barbara McClintock, as we're going to have a little tomfoolery this morning. Why? Well, Barbara's latest book is called Tomfoolery. Barbara, good morning. Thanks for coming back to the studio today. And tell the folks what tomfoolery is all about. Uh, well, it's good to be back. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, so tomfoolery is about the... Uh, 19th century British illustrator Randolph Caldecott, and uh, for whom the Caldecott Award is is named. The Caldecott Award in the kids' book industry is like the Oscars in the film industry. Uh, so anyway, he was a groundbreaking illustrator in his time, and uh, just was really interesting doing a book about him. And why did you pick him as a reason to get this inspiration for the book? Uh, because of his great contribution to the way that picture books are illustrated. Before Randolph came along, uh, picture books, there, were, there was text about a story or uh, excerpt from, you know, ABCs or, or something from the Bible, and illustrations were just decorations. They didn't really move the story along. And when Randolph Caldecott burst on the scene in 1870, he brought his cartooning skills to the medium of illustrating picture books for children uh, and was absolutely rambunctious and turned everything on its ear. Why did your publisher think you, Barbara, were the right person to illustrate this book? Well, I have been very influenced by Randolph Caldecott's work for a very long time, since I was in my early 20s. That was like 10 years ago. <laughs> well, thank you, but um, not exactly, but um, I appreciate that. Yeah, so he, uh, so I loved his sense of spontaneity, and he extended a text, just a, a written text about a picture book. Um, in a way that was so unusual and that I absolutely adored. So illustrators have this interesting role that Randolph set up, which is that they are the translators of a written text, the visual narrators and translators. So they will take a story and they will tell their own visual storyline on the side. And it sort of all blends together into this weird and wonderful art form, which is picture books. And this is not your first rodeo. How many books is this for you now? Well, it's close to 50. <laughs> was that all? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the idea, I guess, is that you read the text of the author, and then from that, it inspires you to make a corresponding illustration? Yes. Yes, and often I try to uh, tell the story again, but in a in, through pictures, through picture making. So this is especially important for very young children who are just learning how to read, because the picture will reinforce a sentence. Um, you know, like uh, Tom picked up a kitten and walked down the street. So if the illustrator draws a picture of that. The, the child has that sense of confidence as they're starting to figure out what the words mean. That, yes, indeed, this is a picture of Tom picking up this kitten and walking, walking down the street. It just is, uh, and, you know, it just helps 
literacy. It reinforces the way that um, that words are translated into a young child's mind, and um, and plus it makes the whole thing so much more fun. What do you see as the target audience for tomfoolery? Age. Uh, so it is a picture book. So that would be kindergarten through third or fourth grade. Um, although this book is about such a an important figure in the children's publishing industry that it's going to be picked up by libraries, by schools to reinforce um, kind of the idea of what the Caldecott Award is about. Um, so it's going to grow long legs. It's already been translated into Japanese. It is... Uh, also um, being translated into Chinese and several other languages. So, and the book, the publishing date is November 15th. So the book isn't even out and available to be picked up and already it's doing extremely well. Now, Barbara, when they translate it to Japanese or Chinese, I'm assuming that means the words. It doesn't affect your illustrations. They stay the same, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's the beauty of picture books and storytelling through pictures. The words are adapted, but um, but the pictures remain the same. It's a universal language. Drawing is a universal language. So the Japanese translator has had to translate, even the, the title, Tomfoolery, is, doesn't really mean anything in Japanese. So the Japanese translator had to make it into um, having fun with pictures or something that that worked for that Japanese audience. Is part of the goal of a book like this to, of course, entertain the young reader, but while they're being entertained, you slip in a little educational stuff in there too, so they're learning as they read. Absolutely, yeah. So the, the trick is that you want to um, get children so excited about looking at the pictures and who is this character and what is going on, and they... Um, and they uh, that entices them to have to read, to have to read, to fill out all of those questions. And so it's a nice back and forth, uh, but definitely I am all about promoting literacy in young children, and this is my way of going about that. I think I remember a story you told in one of your prior appearances from your 49 earlier books that you can do this without even meeting with in person the author. It's all done like digitally now, right? So the author is Michelle Markell. She oh. lives in California. I just met her because she flew out to Connecticut to um, help me promote the book. She came to my class on creating children's books that I'm teaching at Wesleyan University. And then she and I went to the Eric Carle Museum of Picture Book Art in Amherst and gave a presentation to an audience there about the book and how we made it and how we came up with the idea. Um, but generally speaking, in this industry, the author and illustrator never meet. The editor acts as a traffic cop and they'll get a manuscript and then the editor chooses an illustrator to do that visual translation of the text and they keep the illustrator and author as far apart as they possibly can. So once the book was done, I could reach out to Michelle and she to me and we could hatch a plot to actually meet up. You do this long enough, you become a finely tuned machine, but now that you've done 50 of these books, illustrating 50 books, 
How do you feel you're a better illustrator now than from book one? Are you still doing uh, the same stuff, or have you been able to add new dimensions to your work? So I've experimented with all kinds of new things. I'm doing more collage work in my work. Traditionally, I, I started out just using a, a dip pen with a flexible pen nib in Indian ink and drawing uh, on watercolor paper. And I used a light box, which is a box with fluorescent tubes in it, at least in that time, that you would turn on and it would light up the uh, back of a sketch and you would put tracing paper and watercolor paper on that and you could trace by pencil the, the pencil sketch and then I would ink that and then use watercolors. So it was a very labor-intensive way of illustrating things. Aside from transmitting your work digitally to the author and to the publisher and the editor, as far as your illustration is concerned, has this digital age that we're in, and we've been in for 30 or so years now, has that affected what you do? Or is it all, as you indicated, uh, with, you know, all done by hand and very little digital, very little computer impact on that? Well, I did all of the work for tomfoolery by hand, but I had to send it to um, a special uh, scanner place in, in Seattle, actually. My, my publisher is in San Francisco. So I shipped all of the original artwork to this company that uh, scanned all of my original artwork and digitized it, turned it into uh, very high-res um, digital imagery. And then that was transferred to uh, online to my art director at Chronicle Books in San Francisco. And she was able to use all of that to do her layout, her text design. So everything they did was digital, and they sent files back and forth to me. Uh, I'm starting work on a graphic novel, and all of that is done digitally. I'm using Procreate on an iPad. So I'm also moving into the, the new digital world. Not so new, but new for me. Oh, I'm still an analog boy living in a digital world. You can't illustrate every word of the text. So how do you decide which scenes and moments in the book to illustrate? Well, this goes back to being a translator. So at one point, Randolph Caldecott was, um, he, the book talks about how um, books were typically illustrated just with very static pictures. And he broke that mold. And I showed, um, took old imagery of old books and um, cut them out and used them as collage elements in a drawing of Randolph Caldecott as a boy, like, running at the bottom of the picture, knocking all of these pictures up and spilling them around to show that how he he turned everything around and on its ear when he started illustrating. And that's indicative of how much research an illustrator will do for her work. How much did you do? Oh, I would say it took me a good year to do all the research I had to do. It's a nonfiction book, so it was very much tied to Randolph, his work, the time period, costumes. I went up to the Houghton Library at Harvard University that has a big collection of his original sketchbooks and drawings, so I had to do that. I went to the RISD Museum, and the RISD, RISD has a... That's in Rhode Island. Yes, yes. And School of Design, right? Rhode Island School of Design? Is yes, that what it is? the Rhode yeah. Island School of Design, yeah. and they have a big 
collection of taxidermied animals because so much of his work involved drawing ducks and geese and cranes and all of these animals. I could sit down with a taxidermy duck and do multiple drawings of it to really understand what the duck looked like. Uh, and then, thank goodness for Google, this all happened just as the pandemic hit and everything was being shut down. So I was able to access a lot of pictures of his house and other buildings in London at the time when he lived there. It's a lot of work, but it was fun. I like this. Barbara McClintock has a special place in my heart. She was in here, I guess, about 15 years ago with her book, Mary and the Mouse, The Mouse and Mary. And I was heading out to California to visit my family and my young niece at that time, Cameron. And before we went, I actually recorded the text, almost like a book on tape, and it was on a CD, and I took it out there. So I arrived pretty late in the evening, but, but she's still awake, and I read her the book. And then she goes to sleep. I've been up all day, flying all day. I slept in that day. They have one of those baby monitors. Cameron's room is upstairs. And the father, Kent, is downstairs. And Kent's up at 6 a.m. making his coffee in the morning. And he hears my voice over the baby monitor. But he says, wait a minute. Wayne's down here on the first floor sleeping. Where How is that coming from? He goes up. And on her own, Cammie got the CD out, put it in her CD player, and she was listening to it again because she liked your book so well. That's a great story for the earlier book by Barbara McClintock, Mary and the Mouse, The Mouse and Mary. So where can people get this book, Tom Foolery, and when? Well, you have to you can pre-order it through Amazon or you can go to your local independent bookstore and pre-order it. The book releases on um, November 15th. So that's just right around the corner. Uh, and they will either send it to you or call you up and let you know that they've just gotten it in. So it's kind of exciting. It's doing very, getting starred reviews. And it was selected as uh, Publishers Weekly's, on, on Publishers Weekly's 20 top books of 2003. And that includes adult books, novels, nonfiction, everything. So that's quite quite an exciting thing and the book isn't even out yet that's that's kind of cool more great work from Wyndham's Barbara McClintock the latest book is called Tom Foolery the whole book is every bit as fun as the title Barbara so good to see you again best wishes with the book oh thank you thank you nice 14 WILI Willimantic 95.3 FM